What do we know about the weekend effect? As Martin McKee puts it in an editorial on the BMJ.com, almost nothing is clear in this tangled tale. I'm Navjoit Lada, analysis editor, and I'm joined now in this BMJ roundtable on the weekend effect by some of the key academics who have published research and commented on the weekend effect to make sense of what we know and don't know about care in hospitals at the weekend. We're joined by Cassie Aldridge, Rachel Meacock, Nick Black, Paul Aylin, Peter Rothwell and Nick Fremantle. I'd like to ask each of you in turn to reintroduce yourself and tell us your thoughts on whether there is a weekend effect, and if so, what is it? Cassie Aldridge, can we start with you? Yeah. Hi, I'm Cassie Aldridge. I'm from the University of Birmingham. Um, I'm the project manager of the HiSlack project. So the HiSlack project is interested in looking how uh, specialist intensity is related to weekend mortality. Um, at the HiSlack project, we believe that there is a weekend effect in admitted patients. But as to what causes the weekend effect, we identify three factors. Uh, one is a statistical artifact on the denominator, um, which has been shown uh, that less patients are admitted at the weekend and also coding practice, coding practice differences. Uh, the second factor is patient characteristics. Um, we think that maybe patients are sicker at weekends or that there are more less sick patients being admitted on the weekdays. Um, the third factor is quality of care and health system structures and processes. Uh, so we know that structures are different at weekend, um, particularly weekend staffing, and our study has shown that particularly in um, consultant staffing, um, but also other things like availability of diagnostics and also different process processes at the weekend, different quality processes. Um, what we don't know is what the contribution of each of these factors is. And I think that's the important part of what causes the weekend effect. Thank you, Cassie. Uh, Rachel, on to you. So, hi, I'm Rachel Meacock from the University of Manchester. I'm part of a large NIHR-funded project which is evaluating 24-7, seven-day services more generally. Um, so far, we've published some work on the cost-effectiveness of the planned service extensions and then a later paper on the issue around the denominator and the admission threshold. So I think there clearly is elevated mortality amongst patients admitted to hospital at the weekend, but our latest work has shown that actually this is driven by a reduction in the number of admissions. So like Cassie said, we show that once you account for the reduction in admissions at the weekend um, and the higher admission threshold, that explains some of the weekend effect. And so there's actually whilst being admitted to hospital in an emergency at the weekend is associated with a higher risk of mortality, attending accident and emergency departments at a weekend is not. And so there are no more deaths, which I think is the main thing. So I think people see this elevated mortality risk and interpret it to mean that more people are dying as a result of weekend admission, and that's not the case. There are actually less deaths amongst patients admitted on the average weekend day as there are on the average weekday. It's just that those deaths are being divided by a much smaller number of admissions. Great. Thank you, Rachel. Nick Black, bringing you in now. Hello, I'm Nick Black, Professor of Health Services Research at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, and I have done no research on the weekend effect. Um, so I come to this discussion uh, with a, a generalist view of, it, of trying to make sense of what is fairly inconsistent uh, information, um, despite the best efforts of, of some of my researcher colleagues, some of whom are around the table. My 
position, having looked at it all, is that I do believe there is a weekend effect in the sense that I think the quality of care that patients receive who are admitted as emergencies at weekends is not as high as in the weekdays, but, and it's a big but, I think it is most unlikely, I can't be absolutely certain, that this has any effect on the risk of death. I do not think that the mortality and that studies that have shown um, a higher mortality uh, are for various methodological shortcomings of the data and the way it's analysed. Um, so I, my position is that I think uh, we do need to take the way we run hospitals at weekends seriously and improve it for emergency admissions. Uh, just, but I don't think it's having an effect on mortality. Thanks, Nick. Paul Aylin. Yeah, my name's Paul Aylin. I'm a professor of epidemiology and public health at, at Imperial College. And uh, I, I've been doing a bit of work on this uh, topic for seven, eight years or so now. And uh, it started as sort of anecdotal observations of, uh, of quality of, of, of care of some elderly relatives of mine at, at the weekend. Uh, and I wanted to look at, uh, at the data to see whether this was really a, a, an issue or it was just, uh, uh, just bad luck uh, with my uh, relatives. Um, I also worked as a doctor and, and have had experience of difficulties in getting uh, test results um, uh, uh, and, uh, and ordering uh, uh, tests at the weekend. So I, I know things are slightly different at, at the weekend in the way things uh, operate. So I looked firstly at emergency admissions. Uh, we published in 2010 on that, looking at some... Um, four million or so uh, uh, admissions and we did infi indeed find uh, uh, an effect around a 10% risk of uh, or excess risk of, uh, of, of death in patients admitted at the weekend but I think we acknowledged in our paper that there were a, new, uh, a number of possible explanations for that including perhaps sicker patients were admitted at the weekend. So we've then gone on a little bit further and looked at, uh, at, at, at other aspects of care. And our next paper focused on elective surgery. So this is planned surgery. Uh, of course, there are a few uh, operations carried out at the weekend. But what we were particularly interested in was looking at uh, 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 Friday operations compared with Monday operations. Now, we know in looking at the data that actually the mix of operations doesn't seem to vary very much. In fact, Perhaps less sli slightly less complex operations are carried out on a on a Friday, but having uh, uh, accounted uh, for that, around about uh, if you have your procedure on a Friday, you have around about a forty percent increase risk of death over a very small risk of death for planned surgery uh, compared with uh, with a with a Monday. So we we did this to try and get around the the, the case mix uh, uh, aspect. Um, there were a number of explanations for this work, uh, for these findings. Uh, some people said, well, aren't, uh, isn't it just the fact that, that less senior consultants are working on a Friday? Well, we looked at that, actually. We were able to look at that. And it turns out that, actually, um, less senior consultants do work more on a, uh, a Friday. But actually taking that into account had, had no effect. We've done a range of other work fr uh, since then looking not just at mortality outcomes, but looking at, um, uh, particularly in stroke, looking at some process measures around same-day CT scans, uh, looking at other outcomes like the likelihood of being discharged back home um, as a sort of proxy measure for a good uh, outcome. And all those seem to show uh, a weekend effect. We also looked at 
obstetric care as well and found, again, looking at a range of, uh, uh, of outcomes, found women were more likely to have a, a postpartum infection, there was more likely to be injuries to the, to the neonate, uh, and, uh, and, and young babies were more likely to be readmitted. So we've looked at a range of different aspects of care occurring uh, over the weekend, not just emergency care, and found a, a fairly consistent effect. Now, we focused on administrative data, and there are obviously issues around coding and things like that. But there are other... Uh, uh, studies that have looked at um, uh, clinical data, audit data. So my view is, on balance, looking at a number and a range of studies, that there probably is a weekend effect. I suspect some of it is artefact, but I suspect some of it is real too. Okay, well, we'll come back and discuss some of the um, data sets and what some of the the varying studies show. Um, We'll just continue going round for the time being. Um, Nick Fremantle. Sure, thank you. My name is Nick Fremantle. I'm Professor of Clinical Epidemiology and Biostatistics at University College London. Uh, We've been uh, researching uh, this area um, with colleagues from the Quality Outcomes Research Unit uh, where I also hold an honorary position uh, in Birmingham um, for uh, a number of years, in fact, um, uh, going back, I think, over about a decade, uh, using routinely collected data. Uh, we published an analysis originally in 2012 that we updated in a short paper in the BMJ in uh, 2015 that uh, looked at all of the admissions to uh, the NHS in England uh, for a calendar year Uh, and uh, fitted a uh, risk adjustment model which aimed to predict, aimed to identify those people likely to die uh, within 30 days of that admission. The model includes lots of um, case mix adjustment uh, criteria that that described in the paper, um, but it does uh, really an an extremely good job of predicting uh, who's likely to die with... um, well, a C statistic technically of 0.92, which I suppose we could say is means that in just a 30-day period, uh, the model was um, able to identify um, or get it right who who actually died 92% of the time, which which is pretty impressive, really. In fact, um, the sorts of um, predictive value of these models that we see on these very large and um, complete data sets um, is is. Um, a precision that we don't see in very many other um, settings. In fact, I've I've never seen them in other analyses I've done through my career. So my answer is to the question, is there a weekend effect? Well, there's demonstrably a weekend effect. Uh, This might be the simple statistician talking, but there's demonstrably a weekend effect. What we can't do, and what I think probably nobody can do with these data, is come up with a definitive answer as to what the explanation of that is. Um, on the one hand, uh, confounding by indication or severity or one of those sort of technical expressions. And I'm pretty convinced, I'm sure, if you asked me to make a guess, I would say that was at least part of the explanation. Um, but the other question is, goes back to our original hypothesis of you know there being something different going on at the weekend. Another competing hypothesis is that it's something to do with the care that people receive. And it becomes quite clear that care does vary at the weekend. There's plenty of research done by others to, to show that. Um, and it also is clear we, weekend effects change over time um, in the areas like stroke quite nicely in line with the sort of efforts that 
um, that the NHS has put into improving stroke services. So if it was all residual confounding, then um, confounding by indication, then I wouldn't expect to see a change as necessarily as as, um, as as services improved and overall risk reduced. So I'm, you know, as as I've always been, I, th- I think we we suggested that um, it would be rash and misleading to to claim that these deaths were all preventable. I, I believe that to be true, but I I think it's also going beyond the evidence to suggest. Um, that there isn't a problem and this is all a statistical artefact. Okay, thanks Nick. We'll pick up on some of those points. Um, But uh, bringing in Peter Rothwell now. Hello, yes, I'm a professor of neurology at at the University of Oxford and my interest in this was partly from the the stroke angle in that, uh, as as Nick said, um, stroke has been used as one of the the exemplars for the weekend effect and I think there are probably more papers on the weekend effect in stroke than... uh, than for any other condition. Um, I think as to whether it exists, I, I, I think I probably agree mostly with, with uh, Nick Black. I think it's, it's very hard to say. I think it's, it's undisputable or indisputable that there are individual cases, individual patients in particular hospitals in, with particular conditions where care probably wasn't ideal at the weekend and, and that probably did affect outcome. But that also occurs sadly very often during the week as well. Um, so I think it, it's difficult to generalise from that. The, the other interest I've had which is, which is relevant is, um, is the coding issue. But the, the worry is that the group of patients who, who drive the weekend effect essentially tend to be elderly patients with multiple morbidity coming in acutely unwell. And numerous studies, including several of our own, have shown that the coding of what's actually wrong with those patients is, is pretty poor. Um, so that, that's an anxiety. And so we looked and reported recently and found that the coding biases, if one can call them that, are, are different for weekend admissions versus weekday admissions. And so it's just another layer of uncertainty that one would uh, put on top of all the other uncertainties that that people have mentioned. I I think the other thing that that worries me, and as as someone who provides emergency care at the weekends, is is the observation, the very important observation that Nick Fremantle has made, that um, your chances of dying at the weekend um, are not just not increased, they're statistically significantly reduced. You know, I think in Nick's work, the, uh, the risk of dying at the weekend was about 6% lower if you were in hospital than, than during the week. And so I think there is a plausibility issue there. Okay, thanks, Peter. Um, does anybody want to come in on, on any of what, what you've heard at this point? Nick Fremantle. I'd like to come back on a couple of those points. I, I, I think the first one is... Uh, 11,000 deaths in the context of around 290,000 deaths a year in the NHS is a large number of deaths that we're struggling to um, to explain. Um, I, I think the coding question Peter's paper referred to actually wouldn't affect our analysis because we use the Shimmy CCS group as grouped together codes uh, and so the different codes he's referring to would be grouped together in the same diagnostic group. But we use substantial numbers of other pieces of information about those patients 
not just in that admission, how they came to hospital, the urgency of the admission and so on, but also their previous history of admissions to the NHS over a period both urgent and complex admissions and so on. So using the available data set in a strong epidemiological way, we are able to identify with a, an unprecedented level of precision who is likely to die and who is not likely to die. And that's the concern about then finding a substantial, in my mind, 11,000 deaths is substantial, um, difference in a system like the NHS. The other issue about deaths by day of the week, many deaths come after procedures. And there's a very strong cycle in the NHS of high-risk procedures being conducted um, during the, the midweek period and not at the weekend where possible. So we might expect the consequences of those, the unfortunate consequences of some of those, to, ex to be expressed on different days uh, and less likely to be expressed on, on, on a weekend day. Nick, could I just come back on that particular issue in that in your papers, you, you, don't, you, you don't present the data for, for emergency admissions separately. I think you say that you looked at them and they were broadly similar to, to all admissions. Well, I think. Actually, if I could come and, back but, on that, that's actually but, but, not but, correct. But, we, our main paper was published in 2012 and described emergency and non-emergency separately. Um, and uh, we reported the emergency and non-emergency separately in our um, in a response to the analysis paper um, uh, and it's 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 in the public domain one of the issues there is again a naivety if we look at the characteristics of patients who are admitted apparently as um, emergencies they differ on different days of the week if we look at those who are admitted as electives they differ on different days of the week so the characteristics of an elective admission at the weekend are much more like an emergency admission uh, during the week. And they're people who are much more likely to require a degree of urgency of uh, clinical care. So I think uh, my, my position was always um, that the uh, divide between en route of admission or urgency of admission was an unsafe criteria to use for our principal analysis in, um, it was a non-orthogonal um, characteristic, if you like. It, it meant different things on different days of the week, and so wasn't a good way to uh, break up the patient group. Okay, I don't want to spend too long on sort of methodological details, but I know some of you want to come in on that as well. Rachel, can I bring you in? Yeah, I suppose just to say with the kind of C statistic thing that when we look at all patients who attend A&E, we have a model with exactly the same C statistic, exactly the same predictive power, and we find no increase in risk for attendance on the weekend. And then we do find that you are then but less likely to be admitted. So I think too much focus on, on the C statistic. You can get two models with the same statistic, but they would draw you to different conclusions. Okay. If I could just come back briefly on that. <clears throat> Excuse me. The population attend attending A&E at the weekend are well known to be different from the population attending during the week. If we look at those people that are actually admitted, then um, the question is how well do we can we predict those risks? So no, I, I think for a statistician, things like the C statistic are exactly what sh we sh should be looking at to see how our models uh, are performing. And we can't just write them off. Um, 
I in agree, a casual but manner. that means you can't write the model that I've produced off with the same statistic. Is all, is all I'm trying to say. I think that it's there's still room for error in there. Okay, Cassie. Um, just to add to that, some of the studies that have looked at physiological data or clinical data have shown that when you add this kind of data into these models, um, that the weekend effect actually goes away. Um, we're actually doing a sub-study on this ourselves and our initial data shows that if you look at things like early warning scores and um, that can account for some of the differences weekends to weekdays so although the the models are very good the risk adjustment models are very good at, at identifying patients that are going to die it's it's not going to take you it's not going to be a hundred percent as you said yourself and um, 92 percent accuracy isn't a hundred percent accuracy and the absolute percentages of mortality we're talking about in the hospital actually only differ by about half a percent um it's the relative risk that mm. um, makes the difference there okay paul just a point about administrative data i, I mean it's it's very complex uh, and certainly at a national level records are organized into episodes of care within each episode of care there is a primary diagnosis and space for some 40 or so secondary diagnosis codes each diagnosis can be linked together to form spells of care or admissions and they in turn can be linked together to form super spells and how you deal with this complexity depends very much on the question that you're asking now it's very unclear from Peter's paper as to how he uh, defined uh, stroke. There's no methodology around that. But what we can infer from his results is that, um, uh, for instance, um, he included uh, subdural and extradural hemorrhage as a uh, as as a code, and therefore it's it's no surprise that uh, he found those in his uh, audit. That's not a, an incorrect code. He included st elective stroke admissions, so it's no uh, surprise that he found a large proportion of elective stroke admissions in his definition of stroke. Um, so the, the, uh, I'm I, I'm perhaps disputing that some of the um, findings that Peter has found are errors it's just a question of how you phrase your question and if you work with with administrative data for some time you, you kind of become aware of some of these uh, subtleties and a uh, I don't know how Peter pulled out his stroke cases in the administrative data but a simple search for stroke codes will not pull out acute stroke could I could I possibly come back on those and those points um, I mean, we, we did it a number of ways, if you look through the paper in terms of the codes we included. Um, we, we included a, a less broad range of stroke codes than the majority of previous studies of administrative data. Um, the main code we included, which uh, is not necessarily stroke, but which most previous studies have included, is the code for uh, uh, cerebrovascular disease, so large artery disease in the cerebral vessels, which... Uh, which we found often isn't stroke, but almost all previous studies have included. Um, so, you know, I think compared to previous studies, we were we were rather more selective and rather more generous to uh, than the coding than uh, than other people had been. Um, in terms of the emergency versus uh, elective admissions, we included both initially because we we had the gold standard. We we looked at every single patient who came in every day, and we knew what had happened and what we found was that the coding was actually miscoding uh, elective admissions as emergency admission or, or vice versa so we we included everything in order to then understand all those potential errors 
Um, so I think it would be wrong to criticise us for uh, casting the net wide in order to uh, maximise understanding. OK, um, thanks, Peter. Um, I'd like to sort of... What I'm getting from you is that there are challenges to overcome with the data and we can't ask the, the data that's available to give us a sort of complete picture of what's going on. Um, so just uh, talk, talking a bit more, more generally about the quality of the data, how good, how good is it and, and what can we, we be certain about and where is there definite uncertainty? Nick Black, I'm going to ask you to come in on that first. Okay, I think there's a lot of attention paid to this thing called coding, but that's the final stage and other people around the table have cited some of the shortcomings. Um, uh, and clearly Peter has shown a, a weekend effect on coding, but I think that's probably um, quite, quite, quite a, a small issue generally. The two concerns I'd have about using administrative data, um, the first is the quality of the data on comorbidity and we know in the hospital episode statistics that patients admitted at weekends apparently have less comorbidity than weekdays now this is completely bizarre because you ask anybody okay it's anecdote it's observation but it's based on clinical experience and wisdom are patients at weekends actually less sick than those at weekdays and they'll say the opposite so that is a pretty major um, problem with the um, thing but the bigger problem still is that administrative data do not give any indication of how severe a patient is so for instance just an example you can have two patients who are co who are diagnosed their reason for admission is pneumonia one person is 85 with multimorbidity and pretty moribund and it is little surprise and certainly not a reflection of quality of care that they die, unfortunate though that is. Somebody else is 65 in generally good health with mild early stage pneumonia and if they died that would be a serious indictment of that hospital and the quality of care. But HES cannot tell the difference, they're both pneumonia. Um, so that it seems to me it's essential that if we're going to look any comparison of mortality as an outcome, whether it's day of the week, whether it's different hospitals, you name it, you have got to have a decent adjustment and information on severity. That will become possible with the electronic early warning scores that's already been mentioned by Cassie um, that are now becoming available and are available for many trusts and the sooner that somebody does a study that uses the news data and adjusts for it and what I would be really interested in seeing to, to almost put this issue to bed would be what happens when you adjust for news on every patient every admission um, uh, because I think that will be um, a real sort of uh, decisive step in this otherwise slightly circular argument. Uh, Nick Fremantle, I think you wanted to come in on that. Yeah. Um, I fear sometimes that this whole area is a bit like the Rorsarch test, you know, the psychology test where the few ink blots that people look at them and they go away and they talk about what they think they've seen. Um, and if I listen to what people around the room are saying, I don't think there's actually very far, very much difference between what I'm saying and what others are saying. Because I think we're all saying is there's some, that it looks like there's something going on. 
it's too big to really ignore and pretend there isn't anything going on. Um, and with the available data sets, we can't get our heads. Um, simply, if we look at these large analyses, we can't get our heads around what the causes are. But then I go back to why did we do this in the first place? Uh, we did this because of concern that there was a problem in the NHS um, that came from um, senior clinicians. And we did this because they were already taking steps in attempts to address what they perceived to be the shortcomings of care for patients in certain areas in the NHS at the weekend. Okay. Well, let's let's um, talk a little bit then about how we might um, move forward on some of these issues. So, um, one of the questions is um, around ascertaining if there is an effect. Um, what is that related to? And Cassie, I know you've you've been doing some work on this, taking into account other factors. Yes. Yeah, so, um, study that was recently published in the Lancet, we looked at um, how many specialists—that's consultants and associate specialists—were in hospitals weekday to weekends. We compared this to mortality in the first instance, and we didn't find any association between the two. But we also we know that the effect of consultants in hospital will be to somewhat moderated by the context that they're in. So things like availability of diagnostic services, um, the numbers of nursing staffs, the number of junior doctors, the even administration staff, these kind of factors are going to moderate what effect consultants in hospitals can have. Um, we're also, um, I think as Nick Black mentioned earlier, mortality isn't the most sensitive marker for quality of care issues so what we're trying to do as well is find other outcomes of quality outcomes things like uh, maybe length of stay delay transfers of care uh, timeliness to first consultant review um, things like this are, are something that we are going to be looking at in our second phase of the study and I think that they're in some ways more important to patients than the mortality statistic is. Yeah, I mean, we've spoken to our own patient panel mm -hmm. and, and that, that seems to affirm what you're saying, that that people, um, that our, our patient panel is a group of people with sort of long-term long chronic conditions and, and the sense we get from them is that they're interested in things like, as you say, sort of time to discharge, time to important decisions, um, time to you know treatment times they, they're all sort of their experiences that that's different at the weekend and it would be good to have some research that informs informs that yeah indeed we've been having some patient groups uh focus groups come in we're trying to ask them um, what do they think the causes of the weekend effect are and what what they would like to see and they tell us that very much over the weekend it's not that um there isn't high quality care or it's not that the hospital is becomes unsafe it's that their treatment stops over the weekend um, if they want a physiotherapist they'll have to wait till a Monday uh, if a patient should be on a palliative care uh, treatment pathway they need to be um, reviewed by a palliative care team that might not happen till after the weekend so it's things like these that affect quality of care at the weekends mm. in hospitals and I think that the issue around the mortality debate um, I think kind of overshadows this and then we get into an argument about the data and th and things like this and I think it overlooks the overall quality of care issues that are apparent in the hospitals at the weekend. Okay um, so from what you're all saying I think I think you're saying that 
that there is there is some agreement um, in some areas, but but still, I would say among you, a fair amount of uncertainty about what exactly is is going on and, and what's driving that. Um, so, given that we have this much uncertainty still, um, some of the policy changes that have come out of out of this work and research might be considered a bit of a leap, perhaps. So, the move to seven day services, or of course, the government citing. Um, the weekend effect as a ma- major reason to renegotiate junior doctor contracts. So I'd like to ask you your views on the policy implications of, of this research. Um, Rachel. Yep. So, I mean, I find the, the policy push towards seven-day services far more worrying than any of the uncertainties in the research. Um, I think, yeah, the big concern for me is we are moving towards a completely unevidence-based policy change. We're going to reorganise our entire NHS and we have no idea what the consequences will be for patients admitted at the weekend or for patients admitted during the week. Um, And so what I would really like to see is evaluations of the 13 early adopter sites that went to seven-day services in the original Bruce Keogh's seven-day services forum because that's what we really need we really need some causal evidence of some change and we shouldn't be pushing we wouldn't fund a drug that we'd never piloted and never trialed so i really don't think we should be forging ahead with a reorganization of the entire service without seeing the results from those pilot sites first and there's been some work on cost effectiveness of it as well uh yes so we did some work on the cost effectiveness of the planned service extensions and we found that even under the most optimistic assumptions of how many deaths could be averted, which I think later research shows were very, very high, much less deaths will actually be averted, if any, um, the policy is still not cost effective. So from the evidence we have, the money would be better spent elsewhere in the NHS. Of course, we don't know about the the benefits to patients other than mortality. They're really, really important. But I just think we shouldn't be pushing towards something that we don't know is cost effective because we would not do that with a healthcare treatment or a drug so why should we do it with a policy okay paul Aylan? well i think i can i can agree with with rachel there that you you, you shouldn't pick and choose the evidence that best supports your uh, your your policy you need to have a critical eye and look at a range of, of evidence, not just from administrative data, but from uh, uh, clinical data. You need to look at a, a range of outcomes and process measures. And, and ideally, you'd need some evaluations of, of interventions. There may be some sort of natural experiments going on at the moment, and stroke care is a good example of where it's been reorganised in many uh, areas, particularly in London, uh, the reorganisation. Uh, and it would be very interesting to look at the impact on that on in terms of, of, of trends. Uh, one paper that I came across uh, uh, recently which, which might serve as a, as a warning for basing policy on two or three single papers was a, a paper by uh, Ricciardi uh, which was published in BMC Medical Education which is perhaps why it hasn't been picked up in other, uh, uh, other commentaries. Uh, and this was a look at 50 million admissions in the, uh, in the US uh, and found a relationship between uh, 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 weekend admissions, uh, weekend mortality rate, and uh, the number of resident trainees. Not in the way that you might necessarily uh, suspect. Actually, hospitals with a higher proportion of resident trainees working at the weekend seem to have higher uh, mortality. Um, so it's just just a, a warning there that you need to take into account all the uh, uh, all the research uh, uh, from a range of, of of different approaches in order to to, to form policy. Peter, 
I'd, I'd agree with all of that. I think there's uh, there's certainly a need to uh, to try and uh, assess any policy change and see whether uh, whether things do do improve. I think there is still there a lot that we can we can do to assess the robustness of the data we've got. And one of the things I wanted to check with with uh, with Nick was um, it, it wasn't clear from. Um, the, the data I think that he he'd published, how they dealt with multiple admissions, and what what would be fascinating I think would be to just do an analysis confined to the first admission in any study period with a particular diagnostic code, because certainly in, in our data those first admissions were were more likely to be coded correctly. So I think a sort of simple things like comparing analysis of all admissions, which I think is what Nick did, versus an analysis of the first admission during that particular period versus perhaps the last admission. You know, if they show very different results, then it, it, it really would worry one, I think, in terms of the, the robustness of the conclusions that we can draw. So I, I think there's still a lot we can do to, uh, to better understand the, the data. Our, our analysis was based upon um, the admission as the unit of analysis rather than on um, the patient as the unit of analysis. That doesn't mean we double-counted deaths. Quite the opposite. The deaths were, were real and observed. The, uh, we have done exactly the analyses that, um, that, that Peter suggests. They don't make a profound difference. Uh, in fact, we are accounting for previous admissions in the history derived from HES that's um, attached to each of the admissions that occurs uh, in the data set. And there has been a lot, I mean these are reasonable questions, there's been a lot of work behind the scenes, much of it described in our, in our first paper that we published in 2012 that um, hasn't been perhaps read as much as the uh, more recent short summary that we produced. Uh, Nick, would you, would, you, would you be willing to, to uh publish or make make those analyses available because I think um, it would really help people to understand the data if they could see an analysis based on the first admission yeah. during the study period because of course the deaths don't vary but the denominator will vary we, some we patients have, have many admissions we have done substantial numbers of analyses in response to um, those that have um, or published substantial numbers of analyses in response to those that um, have asked for just one more analysis that will uh, persuade them one way or another. And the thing, I've, frankly, I've learned um, uh, from this process, which has been going on for quite a few months now, is that there's always one, just one more analysis that will help people a lot. Um, so we... But um, Nick, I mean, we, we showed in our paper that you get, a, you get the opposite weekend effect if you base the analysis yeah. on the and first admission to the period. And in one of the best academic medical centres in the but, world, but, in an area But you can't, you um, can't dismiss that, In Nick. an area all, all where I'm we asking, know that stroke services have massively improved over time, um, doing an analysis in a quite is, different is way from the way we did Nick. it. So Perhaps that discussion can take place elsewhere. I think, I think it would be useful to, to move on. I, I think a lot of this... Um, endlessly going round on the details of data are of interest to researchers working in the area but if we get back to the policy issue um, I go back to what I said at the beginning I believe there is a weekend effect but I don't believe it affects mortality that doesn't make it any the less important um, 
why do I think there's a weekend effect? Because anybody who's been a patient, anybody who's had their nearest and dearest in hospital admitted at the weekend, any clinicians working in a hospital uh, believes that. And to my mind, that may not be scientific evidence, but it's pretty damn strong. Um, the ways that we, the, the reasons I would not wish to be admitted to hospital as much as one can control it with an emergency uh, at a weekend are to do with the humanity of the care. Um, I don't want to be admitted on a Saturday and wait until Monday morning or Monday afternoon before I get a definitive diagnosis and treatment starting. Um, the psychological harm that does worrying, you know, is it a malignancy? Is it life-threatening? What will it require, etc.? is not a good way, a humane way to treat patients. So I think we do need to improve our diagnostic speed at weekends. Communications with doctors. Anybody tried to have a conversation uh, with a doctor at the weekend? Uh, it's much more difficult than a weekday because of availability. It's not criticising the doctors. It's simply the, the person power, the staffing levels. I mean, so there are lots of ways in which it isn't, we are not treating patients as humanely as we should at weekends. That's one reason. A second, operational efficiency. We know that patients admitted at weekend will have longer lengths of stay. We're basically wasting a lot of resource, which we cannot afford to do um, by adding on extra days at the beginning of their episode. And the third area would be the quality of education, particularly for the junior doctors, which we know the levels of supervision and education is poorer on a Saturday and Sunday than on a weekday. So there are lots of reasons why, um, whilst I take the points that were made earlier by colleagues about the need for caution, about introducing policy change and taking it responsibly and being as responsible as a policy decision to introduce a new treatment or a new drug. I think we've got plenty enough evidence, but we've then got to measure the right things. And if we measure mortality, we won't see the benefits of the improving weekend service. So I fully support the policy of seven-day service, but not to reduce deaths, but to improve humanity, efficiency, educational quality um, of our services. Thanks, Nick Black. Cassie? Yeah, I'd agree with Nick Black um, that the problem should be that um, with policymakers is that they seem to be reducing the issue down to a single problem, that being excess deaths at the weekend, and a single solution, which is to chuck more doctors at hospitals at the weekend. Um, I think what we need to do is to take a, a broader view of this. I don't think any clinicians would disagree with seven-day services as a direction of travel. I think that it's just that it, it seems to be under-resourced, under-researched about what we should actually be doing, when we should be doing it, and how we should be doing it. Okay, thanks. Nick Fremantle. Sure. Um, the, we undertook our analysis on the request and in collaboration with um, NHS England, both the first time around and the second time around. And the service provision um, work that NHS England has developed uh, as part of a much broader programme of work, not th that our, our piece fed into a little bit. I think I may be wrong, but I think Nick Black may have been involved in the development of the 10 clinical standards. No, OK, that was, that was a mistake. I certainly wasn't involved with them, which was the thing I wanted to say. But when we look at them, 
those cover a number of the things that people are addressing around the table. Um, one of the first points that's made is about poor communication that's perceived, not just at the weekend, but um, during the evening. We, we couldn't look at different times of the day because we can only in HES see which day somebody was admitted. We can't see whether they were admitted at night or during the day. Uh, clearly there's a, there's a potential and there's a paper in the Lancet recently that describes a range of different effects at different times. Um, Consultant-led review within 14 hours of admission when the admission is urgent, you know, with urgent medical need. I don't think that, you know, I think if we went out and asked people in, on the street in, in England uh, what they would expect if they had to be admitted urgently to hospital, I, don't, I, I think many would be surprised that they stood a risk of not being seen by a consultant within 14 hours of admission. 14 hours is quite a long, you know, these are urgent admissions. Um, the availability of appropriate services to support care during that difficult, you know, during that early admission. Again, this is not so controversial. This isn't about changing the whole of the NHS to um, work the same every day of the week. It's just ensuring as best we can that somebody who's admitted on a Sunday or on a Tuesday night um, isn't disadvantaged because they're unfortunate enough to become ill at that time. I don't think that's a big ask. Last time I looked at the Beverage Report or the NHS Act, there was nothing in there that said you had access to excellent care, so long as it wasn't at the weekend or at night. So it's, you know, it's maybe a flippant comment, but there are basic standards of care that as a national health service, we might aspire to achieve. And I don't think the standards as they're laid out in that documentation are too extreme or in any way unsupportable. What, what's being done to sort of measure measure those standards? Is, is there any attempt to, that, you're, that you know of to, to look at the outcomes beyond mortality? I mean, NHS IQ, which has now moved to NHS Improvement, they have been uh, looking at things like um, availability of diagnostic services and they also have been looking at time um, whether hospitals are meeting the standards for consultant review also um, senior decision makers things like that um, we in our own study are doing ethnographic observations in hospitals looking at how processes of care differ from weekdays to weekends um, and this is in 20 hospital sites across the country um, we're also doing a case note review looking at uh, quality of care issues such as uh, timeliness, time to first consultant review, um, error rates, things like this. So there is work being done, a lot of it by NHS improvement to do with uh, matching the standards. Um, so yes, you know, people are looking at different outcomes and different processes of care across the country. Okay. And could I could I just come in on that possibly? I mean, I, I just in in response to Nick, I, I'd just say that it really isn't as bleak as he's as he's making out in terms of the provision of care. Um, you know, my wife is a consultant in acute medicine, and she does two ward rounds a day on a Saturday and two ward rounds a day on a Sunday when she's on call at the weekend. If I'm the neurologist for the weekend, I'm in hospital the whole weekend. So e emergency care actually is pretty good out of hours and uh, and and at the weekend 
you know, it's a very simplistic view that people have that this is something that the medical profession hasn't already addressed itself. Um, you know, the rotors are, 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 are pretty good at the weekends and in the evenings people are there seeing patients. Let's come back. Peter, I'm delighted to hear that. I don't know whether your wife also works at the John Radcliffe, um, but I, am, I, I agree with you. There are some wonderful, there's wonderful care provided at weekends in some of our hospitals. The problem is it's not universal. Um, and in many hospitals, unfortunately, we know from many of the national clinical audit statistics, patients who have hip fractures who don't get operated on within the suggested recommended 30, first 36 hours and have a worse outcome, etc., etc. So, yes, there are some great examples. The hyperacute stroke units are clearly now meeting that uh, 24-7 um, equity of service. I'm sure some of our best hospitals like the John Radcliffe in Oxford are also doing it. Unfortunately, there are also quite a lot of NHS hospitals where that's not being achieved at the moment. Okay. Well, I'd like us to um, wrap up um, just by talking a bit about sort of moving forward and, and what happens next. So I'd like to go around and ask you all what you would like to see happen now. Um, Paul Aylin, I'll come to you first. Well, I, I, I'd like to, to see, as, as, as Cassie is doing, some, some work not just focusing on uh, medical staffing, but uh, the whole range of services provided uh, at the weekend. I think that's the key. I think we can get too focused on one particular group of, uh, 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 of professionals. Uh, and, and, and one of those uh, areas w would indeed, I think, be nursing care, which has been somewhat sort of uh, left out of this, uh, uh, this debate, which, which should be... Uh, uh, should be looked at. So I'd like to see a bit more research. I'm not sure that we need a great deal more research to actually provide evidence of some kind of weekend effect. If Even if people don't agree with an increased risk of death, I think people can agree that other outcomes are potentially affected and certainly processes are different uh, 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 at the weekend. And I would, uh, <laughs> as I'm sure, uh, uh, Nick Fremantle would 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 like a, a, a to to take some of the uh, would like to see some of the toxicity toxicity of this debate uh, 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 evaporate uh, a little bit so that we can talk about uh, uh, the real evidence uh, rather than uh, uh, opinions and uh, and uh, and other ire. Nick Fremantle. Right, what would I like to see? Um, uh, looking at the quality of services through the day, through the week, um, ensuring that patients aren't, who are admitted to the NHS aren't disadvantaged on the basis of the day of the week. And I'd come back to the um, extreme things that have been said about what the policies are around um, um, seven-day services and things. If we look at NHS England's 10 clinical standards, they're endorsed by the Academy of Medical Royal Colleges. They're not extreme in any way. Um, as a patient of the NHS, it's sort of the, the minimum standard that I might hope to expect for myself or a member of my family. I don't think these are, these are big steps. And of course, we see excellence in the, in the NHS. We see variation as well as Nick Black's um, nicely described um, and we want to make sure that people um, universally get good care uh, and are not disadvantaged. Cassie Aldrich. 
Uh, what I'd like to see is the argument for changes to weekend services move past this fixation on mortality rates um, and take a wider view. I think to do this we need to develop more of a robust understanding of what is different at weekends and what effect, if any, this has on patient outcomes, not just mortality. Um, given the current debate over doctors' contracts, I think this needs to be accompanied with an explicit assessment of what resources are required to introduce weekend services. Okay, um, Peter Rothwell. Um, no, and I'd agree with, with all of that. I think it's, you know, it's, it's important to try and move things, move things forward. And uh, it's, it's, it's very important that if things are changed, that the, the impact is evaluated. Um, I, I do feel it would help to detoxify, as it were, if I can use that word again, the, um, the situation if, if Nick Fremantle would publish the analysis based on the first admission during the study period rather than all admissions. Um, so I, I really would make a plea for that. Okay. Uh, Rachel Meacock? Uh, so I think I'd reiterate I'd really like to see the focus shift away from mortality and to kind of wider outcomes. I think also a focus on the wider systems and not just on hospitals, but the interplay between primary care, secondary care and social care. Because um, I think one finding that we found in our work was the patients directly admitted from their GP did seem to be really different and the volumes in this group were really dropping so I think I'd really like to see something about how how patients are treated out of hospital and how the whole system's interplay. Okay and Nick Black. Fear of being repetitive, uh, shifting the focus away from mortality which I think there is a, a consensus that um, uh, at best it's a distraction, at worst it's misleading. Uh, and shift to the other important uh, aspects of the quality of care at weekends, which whilst there are hospitals in the NHS that provide excellent weekend care, as Peter has rightly pointed out, um, this is not universal and that should be our goal. Great. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. That's been a really helpful and informative discussion. You've been listening to Cassie Aldridge, Rachel Meacock, Nick Black, Paul Aylin, Peter Rothwell and Nick Fremantle discussing the weekend effect. For more, all of our coverage is available at bmj.com forward slash weekend.